0: Such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report, and this is the Freedom Report, as well as a legal update on a very important case in Australia. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I am here. With our guest, Nick Patterson, as he describes it, from communist Victoria, Australia, formerly Free Australia. In all of my trips to Australia, it was a wonderful country to visit, and people with a free spirit and healthy respect for the rule of law. But the last three years, what has been taking place in particularly in Australia and Canada has been chilling. Chilling with the totalitarian dictatorship that has been imposed on the formerly free people of Australia. Nick Patterson is a professional MMA fighter for over 10 years. He was a state, national, and South Pacific champion and ranked number one in Australia in two different weight classes. He has had a gym for four years. And he refused to shut down during the pandemic lockdown and the tyranny that was going on. He was the first business owner in Australia to go public about it. Police came several times to his gym and Nick recorded those interactions and his videos went viral. Well, many of you who've lived through this tyranny in the U.S. can figure out what may have happened next. Millions of views, and obviously Nick was a cause celebre, and began having police turn up at his house several times for no apparent reason late at night. He has been targeted, beaten, arrested, jailed for 29 days. Fined, prosecuted, stalked, harassed, bailed, silenced, censored, banned, and subsequently deplatformed from Facebook, Instagram, Vimeo, and YouTube accounts. No explanation, no appeal. He, Nick also has run large protests in Victoria, Australia, and He took over 30,000 people to police headquarters to inform the police that they were acting in dictatorial manners. And the law in Australia does not permit the police to enforce government directions, particularly those that violate existing law and the Australian charter rights. Years ago, Arizona was blessed to have Nick's assistance. He worked with a group called Veterans on Patrol. I'm very familiar with that since I live in Arizona, and I've been working with Border Patrol agents on the border issues for at least 15 years, speaking out on the trafficking of drugs and humans and the, the cartel control, trafficking of people with diseases, communicable diseases, this this border in the southern U.S., particularly Arizona and Texas, have just been absolute disaster and very serious threat to America's security. But Nick was involved with the Veterans on Patrol anti-child trafficking work. As a result of his volunteer efforts, to help those of us in the U.S. dealing with these problems, he has been banned from entering the USA because of this involvement. So citizens trying to do the right thing and trying to stop crimes are, as we've seen for the last three years under the pandemic, we are the ones being persecuted, punished, and threatened with jail, arrest, and other Punishments. In addition to all of this, Nick has been running a ministry for a number of years. He's a devout man of God and the student of the Bible, as well as a husband and father of five who are all homeschooled by Nick and his wife. Really a wonderful role model for all of us. And yet, this is the kind of person and good citizen. Who is being persecuted? Nick's trial for the charges was supposed to have been held in November 22 and then suddenly abruptly changed to June 1st, 2023. And as perhaps as a result of all of the publicity campaign, now the court has changed it again and it has been moved to August 28, 2023. So we have time to help support Nick in this fight and raise awareness. Supporters include senators, police officers, ex-police officers, media, freedom-fighting social media influences, Australian veterans, farmers and peacemakers in Australia, and many others. And now Nick is coming to America and the America Out Loud Network and our audience of patriots and activists with the whistleblower report, because what is happening in Australia is a portent of worsening tyranny coming to America. So America and the world listening, pay attention to what Nick has to say today, and let's rally behind him and support his publicity efforts to raise awareness of the abuses going on in formally free Australia. Nick, I applaud your courage, your faith, your persistence in the face of this adversity, and in many ways, your, your actions are biblical. You are truly taking up your cross as a follower of our Lord. So thank you for being with us today and let us know where things stand now and how our audience can get behind your efforts.
1: Yeah. Th- thank you so much. Thank you so much for having, having me here as well. It's a great blessing to know that there's other people who have, um, have a conscience that care about the truth and, um, and want to help other people that are in need. Um, I have a website, which is fightcorruptpolice.com. If anyone wants to help you know financially you know there's a donation tab there if um if anyone wants to um you know uh, reach out to me they can e- send me an email as well and I have a telegram channel which is t.me forward slash fight corrupt police and that's where I'm doing regular updates as to what's happening in victoria with my case uh i I did have quite a big social media. Um, I, I guess platform. I was on multiple platforms, and I was just kicked off everything. And I know. And the reason being is obviously these the people that are pushing this sort of tyrannical agenda they exist in a lie, and they get their power from their ability to perpetuate a false narrative. So anybody that has a, a platform and they're they're using that platform to break down the narrative becomes enemy number one, which is sort of what happened, uh, you know, with my I guess stance against the uh, the COVID lockdowns and the COVID narrative in Victoria in 2020. Did you want me to to just briefly go through the, um, you know, the the chronological order of what happened?
0: Yes, I think that would actually be. Very helpful. And for any of our listeners who have podcasts and other media reach, please reach out to Nick through his Telegram channel, t.me slash fight corrupt police, and use that as a contact point to email him and invite him to do an interview on your platform, the more that we can help tell the stories of people who are patriots who are fighting to preserve freedom for all of us and get them a voice when they're being censored, the more all of us benefit. So, Nick, yes, please, um, tell our audience more detail. I hit the highlights of what was happening, but we want to hear your story.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, so essentially, the the, the lockdowns happened in, in Victoria, in, in Melbourne, Victoria. That was the first big, hard lockdown worldwide. And I... Look, you know,
0: Dick, been... I remember that. And I was so shocked at what they were doing. I mean, I've been to Sydney and, and Cannes and a couple of other places in Australia. I had not been to Melbourne, but I have had patients from Melbourne and it was, it was such a beautiful, open, wonderful, free city. I I was truly, just in shock, reading about what was going on in Melbourne. So tell us more of the details. But but I got to tell you, I, I was I I just couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we, you know, as a as a city, Melbourne has been always known to be one of the most livable cities. And, you know, so it was a real shocking contrast to see this extreme sort of stormtrooper policing, political policing occurring, you know, lockdowns. Um, you had, uh, you know, we even had curfews in Melbourne where after six o'clock at night, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't be out on the street. It was like a military lockdown, except there was no war. So I knew it was a, a big scam and a big lie. And I was awake to um, much of the agenda, not all of it, but much of it for years. You know, um, In the introduction, you talked about how I went over to Arizona and worked with a, the um, veterans on patrol. Well, that was in, I think, 20, 2016 or 2017. So it was some years ago. So I've been awake to uh, the reality of what much of this world is. So when the lockdown happened, I went, no way. There's, there's, this is, this is all a big scam. So I started researching and looking at what the legislation was. Now we have a Charter of Human Rights in Victoria, so that's the legislative provisions that that provide for you know what government officials can and can't do. Now they can suspend. Human rights, like your right, freedom of movement, freedom to trade—you know—all all all of these kinds of things—they can, but they have to do a declaration in the um in the parliament. So I I do a bit of legal research, and I and I and I looked. I looked, and I was at when when did they do this declaration? Well, they never did. Even to this day, they haven't. They haven't um, done any kind of declaration to supersede or over, you know, to um to override any of our human rights that are listed in the Human Rights Charter. So I thought, well, if they're not going to do their part, I don't have to do any, I don't have any obligation. So I thought, and this is where I was somewhat ignorant, I thought the law would protect me. Well, I thought at least it would protect me more than it did. So I decided to keep my gym open and be very public about it. There were many, many businesses staying open, but they were doing it on the down low and quietly. I, I thought this is a great opportunity to inspire people, which just inspire means to have the spirit in. And I thought, I thought of that Bible verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So I thought, well, by having courage and standing up to these people, um, you know, and, and being very bold about it, that's, that's going to inspire others to have courage. Now I was immediately met with police a police presence. First, I had two police officers come to my gym and they were quite aggressive. Um, you've got to shut down. You're a danger. You're risking public health. Uh, and I had a bit of a discussion with them. And, and I always try to be very calm and relaxed with, with, with the police, who I think are generally very ignorant when they're in those positions, especially when they're given all these extra powers as health officers uh, and they don't really know what that even means. So I just had a, a bit of a chat with them and I was—I I tried to de-escalate the situation with these police and then they left. They didn't arrest anybody. They didn't shut my gym down. And that became a viral video. And I think the reason that it was such a viral video is the whole world was looking at Melbourne at the time and there wasn't sort of, the, you know, there was nobody else doing what what we had done. So it was, it was shared and, and Vimeo doesn't usually get, you know, Hugely viral videos But for, in this case it did Two days later We had another We had another interaction with the police However there were 22 Police this time and a member Of the DHHS Health department And I Walked out to try to help one of our Patrons who was um, pulled over By the police so I was just trying to drive Drive home And as i came back to the gym the gates were locked and it was some of the other guys that were training at the gym locked the gate behind me so i couldn't get back in and then i just had i was just surrounded by police so this was another interaction that i had and we had a bit of a legal discussion and in the end the the police officers didn't arrest me and i just held my position on consent it's a consent issue i said i don't consent you know you can't arrest me for saying i don't consent that became another viral video. After that, I had a um I had 18 police cars turn up to my to my gym and a member um I think a three members of mainstream media um Channel 7 reporters. They they turned up. And it's interesting because I publicly said we were going to do a a, a law meeting for all the business owners because I, I I was up to date with all the um, relevant legislation. And we we're going to do a meeting with all these business owners about uh, their businesses and how they can stay open and navigate around the um, the very harsh provisions that were being, you know, deployed by the government at the time. And I I'd, I'd posted this on Facebook and I had this feeling that the police were going to come. Now, I would call this divine providence. No one told me they were going to come. On this Saturday, but I just had this feeling and This is tr- during the week So maybe Wednesday, Thursday, I've got this feeling I need to I need to cancel this meeting Um, So what I did Is I did another follow-up post Saying if you haven't been cleared To come to our uh, To come to our Our law meeting by our security team now, I didn't have a security team But no one knew that Well, technically my security team was just me and a mate uh, If you haven't been clear, that was
0: clever, though. That was clever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, and what I did was, I said, "If you haven't been clear, just contact me." So then, everybody that wanted to come contacted me. And if I knew them well, I'd say, "Look, you can come to our meeting, but it's going to be on Zoom. Don't tell anybody." Everybody that I wasn't really sure about, I would just say, "Look, not this time, but maybe next time." So anyway, we're doing this Zoom call. There's about, you know, maybe 70, 80 people on the Zoom. Um, so it wasn't a huge Zoom, it was it was just a smaller group. And I'm live streaming the, from the cameras, from my gym cameras. And I'm seeing the police turn up and we watched the whole thing unfold. Now we oh have 18 police cars and and the channel seven um media turned up to um, which is we were one of our main main stations, right? Then they're there. They're filming. They never entered the property because the gates were locked. We've got big high gates. And there's barbed wire around them, um, which is actually a, when I bought the the property, it had the barbed wire there anyway. So I never put it up there, but it was very useful in this situation. So they never entered the property, but the mainstream media reported that they had shut my gym down and that they had, um, they had shut my gym down. And they called me a... They said that I was running an anti-masker meeting and they said that I was the anti-masker cult leader. Now, I don't know where they come up with these names, but it's quite creative. So that was another fail for them. And after that, I, I had a member of the Critical Incident Response Unit, well, two members, pull me over in a, uh, in a shopping centre car park. Now, I live in the outer southeast of of Melbourne. So like from the city, it's probably 40, 40, 45 kilometers from the city center. Critical incident response unit generally work in a city and there happen to be, you know, in this little dinky outskirts suburban part of Melbourne. And they follow me into a shopping center car park and, um, and laugh at me and say, we're going to impound your car. And you were driving a license. So it was just harassment, and then there, and there wasn't just one car. There was one car initially, and then there was three cars. So, so I and I knew that it was because I was being I, my interactions with the police in the the, the, the prior months, where I held my position, stood up to the narrative, because these critical incident response unit, these are the WEF police, and it, and we've got we've got what's called the court squad. Um, the special operations group and the critical incident response—you know—all of these groups um, derive from a meeting with the WEF at the Crown Casino in Melbourne at a meeting, you know, twenty about twenty years ago, uh, and that's where we we ended up having a different type of police amongst our police.
0: Well, I have a question about this. Do you were they truly Australian? or had UN peacekeepers been brought in and put in Australian police uniforms, that happened in Canada as part of the suppression of the truckers' convoy. They actually Mm. flew in planes with UN law enforcement people, peacekeepers, whatever you want to call them, but they were the ones who were put in Canadian uniforms and were the ones beating the Canadian citizens. It wasn't. And, and I had people on our team who were there in at the time this was happened. They were on the ground in Canada at Ottawa when this was happening. And they said these were not the Canadian traditional Canadian police. So I'm curious, did you ever have any evidence that some of these people in, uh, in Australian police uniforms you were interacting with were perhaps not really Australian?
1: Uh, no, the, I, I know if it's certain that these police are, um, I, I've ha- I actually have built a relationship with a former member of that squad as well. And he's um, confirmed to me and that, that, they are legitimate police, although the, their legitimacy is in question because of the way they operate and function. Uh, and there's a number of issues there. One, one is our state government doesn't have any interfacing power at law to, to engage with international organisations like the WEF. yet that's what's, that's what's happened. Uh, I, um, I also had another interaction with that same police officer Actually, he, he he ran across the road at a rally with about 20 other police officers and and started belting up one of my friends. Uh, but that's that's later in the, the story. So I have I've actually experienced, um, you know, I had had some experience with this this group and this specific individual a, a, a couple of times. So anyway, so that that all happened. And then, um, you know, I, I had the police turn up to my house multiple times, you know, five times in the middle of the night just to check in on me. And because the police couldn't shut my gym down, what they would do is I'd park their police cars out the front just so no one would come in. So they destroyed my business in that way. So it was a business that I had for 12 years and I eventually had to close it down. Um, and then there's, So were
0: they blocking the entrances and prevent actively preventing people or was their presence so intimidating people
1: didn't come? Yeah, it was the the presence. People have been filled with fear. So what the mainstream media is an amazing weapon against the against the human spirit right so they 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 sow seeds of fear doubt which go to war with your your faith and your confidence so the people have been brought down think of us like a like a battery because we are we are empowered we have a certain level of power and that power level gets just diminished down to almost nothing and that's what's happened to people so they just have to see the police, and they're filled with fear and they keep driving i'm not going into the gym i'm scared you know, they, because they, they believe that they can't. They've been filled with doubt. And, and you know, my, my whole objective in staying open was I didn't care about the money. Um, I wasn't really making any money. I was losing money by, by staying open. But I wanted to invoke and inspire the, that spirit of confidence so that they can then have courage as a people and stand up to the lies.
0: That is really what we need. And psychological studies have shown that if there are a few people who stand up to a narrative or to intimidation, that it does give courage to others and it does lead to more people standing up. That's partly where the whole freedom network of people banding together has derived its power and its effectiveness is that it does inspire people around you. So I I applaud what you did to, to help be a role model to others. You were being the change that others needed to be in order to stand against tyranny. Why don't we take a short break and come back with the second half to hear more about your story, This is Dr. Lee for America with the whistleblower report, combination of freedom and legal report today with the story of Nick Patterson, a mixed martial arts professional and minister in Australia who is standing against tyranny that has been unleashed on us since the COVID bioweapon was released on the world. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth, download our vaccine injury treatment guide, fill out a vaccine injury treatment report, and download our medical and legal resources. We are your voice, your resource against the lies and deception. We'll be right back after the break.
1: The family of Juliana Parker would sincerely like to thank the Truth for Health Foundation. Without their help and support, we never could have gotten our mother out of the hospital and into our home so that we could be with her for the last week of her life. They gave us the strength, the courage, the knowledge, the list of things that we needed to do in order to prepare for that. And they were there at a critical moment when it came to moving her out.
0: Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. Today we are with Nick Patterson from Melbourne, Australia, talking about the extreme tyranny and persecution that he has experienced in trying to keep his business open during the unlawful lockdown. And Melbourne, Australia really was one of the city's hardest hit worldwide with. Just outrageous, egregious, out-of-control, rogue, tyranny, and dictatorial actions. It was a tragedy unleashed on the people of Melbourne. And I, I'm just grateful that Nick is here to tell his story today and that we can give him a platform. I encourage all of you to check out his Telegram channel, t.me forward slash police. And follow him on Twitter, at Nick Patterson, and that's N-I-C-K-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. So, Nick, go ahead with where where you were in this whole unbelievable saga of persecution.
1: Yeah, no worries. So after I had, you know, the interaction, all of those other interactions, the gym was was struggling, and I was... You know, purely keeping it open for the purposes of of one um, providing ministry services because that 's what we did through the gym. I had three homeless people living in my gym at the time uh, and I was mentoring some young men that were that had given up the drugs, and two of them ended up back on drugs actually because they they didn 't have a driver 's license they couldn 't get a lift into the gym, so they were um you know they they say that idle hands are the devil's playground, and and that's they um, they're, they're a, a result of of what can happen when you remove all the goodness out of people's lives, and that so that sort of motivated me to start with the rallies. I started um, organising rallies, and um, sorry, there's my children in the background in here. I've got five of them, so always doing something like this is uh, always a little bit challenging. Um. But, yeah, I started organising rallies and that that caused, you know, me to have sort of more um, more, more attention from the police. I was shadow banned on my social media platforms. I, um, I ran a rally to the police headquarters and we took about 30,000 people there to let the police know that they're acting under dictation and that the case law in our country doesn't allow for police to – to um enforce government directions, and the Victoria Police Act uh, actually states in section fifty one that they all police officers have the have the duties and powers of a constable at common law, but it doesn't define constable at common law so you've got to go to the legal the most prominent legal dictionaries, which is the Nexus lexus, or the um the Butterworths. this is for Australian law, and in both of them, they cite a case. Uh, which is a a prominent case in Australia. It's R versus Commissioner of the Police Metropolis. And it, it states that a police constable has independent authority over their office and that they cannot be directed by the government. So they were enforcing government directions on all the people, not knowing that that's acting under dictation. And in this case, it's actually criminal for the police to do so. So I informed the police and... And the next day, I was I was um, permanently disabled on my Instagram and Facebook um, channels. They, you know, you have been permanently disabled. You cannot appeal this decision. Now I'm certain that that it's because I I wasn't given a reason. And it was the day after we ran a rally to the police headquarters. A similar thing happened with the with YouTube and Vimeo had already um, uh, kicked me off that that platform as well. Uh, sometime around, around then, I was at a, a rally that was true. They, we had this short lockdown where the government decided we're going to sh- shut the state down for, for a month, uh, not a month, a week. Now this doesn't make any sense. right? It's, it, it, it's just purely psychological. You know, we get told a couple of days prior oh, on this date, we're shutting down the whole state for, for a, um, for a week. So there was a rally planned and the rally organisers changed their mind at the last minute and said they're not going to run the rally. But I knew many people were going to this rally. So I went to just to see that they were going to be safe and, and to film and, and, and engage with the police and talk to them and try to plant some seeds in their minds. And what happened was as soon as I got to, the, to this um, sort of walking to where the rally was meant to be operating, at this, um, at this big gardens in the city, I was met by about 100 different police officers, a great big wall of police. And one of them grabbed me and I, and I said, look, I don't talk to police. And he said, well, you will talk to us because you're, um, you know, you, you're outside of your, no, he said, you will talk to us because you're not wearing a mask. I said, yeah, I've got an exemption. And he said, will you show it to me? He said, no, don't have to. And he said, well, I believe you're outside of your 5Ks because we had a five-kilometre, you know, like radius that we could, you know, from our home address. that's the only travel we could do at the time, and uh, and I just I just quoted case law of them. I said, "Look, DPP versus Hamilton. I'm under no obligation to speak to the police unless I'm under arrest, uh, and and you don't have any reasonable grounds to establish your belief um, if you don't have factual evidence." And that's George versus Rocket. That's the High Court of Australia. So I don't have to talk to you. And I had this interaction with them from. About ten minutes, and in the end, the this um, really arrogant police officer he wasn't so arrogant anymore, and he and he was he was saying, "Look, will you give us something? Will you tell us something?" "I said, No, I'm not going to tell you something. I don't like you. I don't think what you I think what you're doing is a vile action against the people." And no, I'm not going to not going to tell you um, anything. And then he was tag teamed by the inspector. So that's the, the the big head honcho guy and the inspector said, look, we're going to give you five, 10 minutes to leave the area or else you'd be arrested. So we left. We started walking back to our cars. And as we we're walking back, the same critical incident response unit, this, this actually one of them was one of the same guys who pulled me over in a shopping center car park um, earlier on the year prior, after the, the first lockdowns had occurred. Well, he was there and a number of other um, police I'd seen in other rallies and they were blocking our ability to walk so we had to walk around them and as we've walked around the police, we're assaulted 40 times by police pushing us um grabbing us um so that were you know like minor assaults but there was 40 of them that we've counted from the looking at the body camera footage and now this is just agitation to try to get us to react because this is the standard tactic from these political police: is they will push you and yell at you so that you react so that they can then um, escalate the situation, which is actually the opposite of how police are meant to conduct themselves. They're meant to de-escalate. Um, anyway, we continued walking. We didn't react. And the mainstream media is following us. We've got three three um, mainstream media cameramen following us, filming these interactions. They did the same thing again. And they tried to make it like a static line where they, they just stand in a line and don't let you pass. And a, a few of us did get past, myself included, and the third time, they say third time lucky, about 20 police officers, and these are all the stormtrooper police, so these are the, the critical incident response unit and the port, port squad, ran across, across the road and they just started punching up my mate. My mate's about a block from his car. We're going home. We've been told to leave by the, by the police inspector and we're, do, we're complying. And they just ran across the road and started bashing up my mate. And a few of us ran in to help him. And we had a punch up with the police. Obviously, we weren't going to win that interaction. There was 20 of them and there was, you know, five of us. Um, and I think only, only three of us that engaged with them. And we got capsicum sprayed. I, I had my shoulder ripped out of its socket. And I had to be taken to the emergency.
0: <laughs> and, and you are a... A big guy, a trained mixed martial, martial arts
1: specialist, and they were able to do that to you. Uh, once, once, once you get 20, 20 people with capsicum spray spraying you and they get the battens out and they've got those tactical gloves and they yeah, they, they, they're going to win that, like you, you know, unless you get some, some special power from God, um, you, you're not going to be able to win that interaction. So: What um,
0: in the world has possessed? literally possessed, Melbourne, Australia police, that they would behave that way with citizens of Australia who were complying with the directive to leave and go home. What in the world has overtaken them?
1: Well, it's WEF policing, and we've had that planted in our our state. Explain what that is, please. What does WEF policing refer to? Yeah, so it's the World Economic Forum. They had a meeting. Oh, that okay, that WEF. Yeah, they had a meeting about these particular squads of police that that which they're autonomous groups of police that operate differently to to your standard police units. Um,
0: oh, that's very chilling. I did not know that Australia had that, or at least Melbourne had that agreement with the World Economic Forum. And that they yeah. have a, have their autonomous police
1: units they they do, and they've had them for about twenty years over here, but they haven't used them in any real official capacity against the people like in a military sort of style the way we saw um during the lockdowns um but yeah, so then we were we were um we were assaulted by these police, and you know we weren't going into i didn't even go in. To, to help my mate to 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 beat up all the police I went in i just didn 't even think I just was i 've got to help my friend they're bashing and he's you know this my friend's a father you know he's a business owner he's um he's a good man and he's just being flogged by these people- they just started punching him in the face they grabbed him started punching him in the head and you know he's done nothing he's he's not a big guy either he 's a little guy, <laughs> and it was just it was so wrong. And I just couldn't – I couldn't not help him. And as a result of that, I was uh, then placed in jail for 29 days, denied bail. I was charge-stacked. Charge-stacking is when the police will charge you with as many charges as they can even think of. And then they will um, – whether whether they've happened or not, whether they're, they're legitimate, it doesn't matter. They will charge-stack you so that they can then – leverage you into pleading guilty to a lesser charge and they'll say look we'll remove all these other charges if you plead guilty to this one and that then justifies their conduct now i won't do that because i won't do that i got put in jail for a month i was bailed with the strictest of bail conditions i was given a full gag order which which i wasn't able to speak about the police the government, state or federal, the law, state or federal, the COVID pandemic, the chief health officer's directions on any public platform, social media platform, website, anyone else's website. Now this is a full gag order. And I didn't have any like incitement charges. My inc- my charges, which didn't even happen anyway, because it happened in broad daylight, it was all film. The the the, the, the alleged offenses were resist arrest, um, assault police. Uh, and a fray, and there was twenty three charges like that. So bail conditions are meant to reflect alleged the alleged offences. So, like if you were drink driving and you had like an, an accident, and you had like criminal criminal charges, you, and you were bailed, you might be given a um like a a prohibition to drink alcohol or to drive. Right, that would be an appropriate condition because it's relevant to the alleged offences. In my case, there there were no alleged offences that would justify having a gag on it, but it's obvious that they just wanted to get those conditions on me so I couldn't speak. So then I had to then when I got out of jail, I ended up um, you know taking that to court and doing an a variation of bail in the court, and we the the judge said this is ridiculous; these these conditions make no sense, and just remove them all. I had to put up a. a, a, a a um, fifty thousand dollars surety to get out. When I was in jail, the uh, um, some of the prisoners, when they found out that I was getting bail, they said, and I told them I was I had to put up a fifty thousand dollars surety, which I didn't have fifty thousand dollars, so I had to then put the the one prop- property that I have, which was just a block of land, I had to put that up um, as as surety. Uh, they said, "There's no way your story is true." If if you're getting a fifty thousand dollar surety, um, and I said, "I said, I'll show you the paperwork." So I showed them the, the brief of evidence, and they were shocked. And I said, "You're gonna understand, guys. I'm a political prisoner. Okay, I've been speaking out against the narrative. I know lots of people. I had a really big platform, and this is why. Um, this is why they've they've done this to me." And and it's interesting because I was in court recently and I, I was listening to it. It was, was online because I do a lot of, of court hearings on Zoom and you see other people, their, their hearings uh, as you're waiting because I'm always waiting. I'm usually at the very end of a block and i at the end. And I, there was a, a woman who was charged with trafficking drugs, illegal firearms, kidnapping, um, all these assault charges, theft, and she was given a $20,000 surety. I, con- I was charged with assault police and resist arrest and a and fray, and I was given a $50,000 surety, and I didn't commit any of the offences. And actually, these, these guys look like, um, you know, there's a good chance they did commit the offences. So the, the whole system is just, it's just rotten to the core we've got all the wrong people in all those positions of power. It's like all the ignorant people that have no connection to their conscience are the people with the power and they're persecuting, you know, people like myself who actually believe that the truth is, is the most important thing uh, and that we, we have to, do what's right and correct and true. These are the people who are being persecuted by these autonomous police groups, these political police, and these government bureaucrats who um who don't seem to have any moral fortification at all. Um, so well, they they're,
0: are they're not not only no moral fortification, but but they are they they are tyrants. On and most of them are unelected, and this autonomous policing is really quite alarming.
1: It look it. it I, I'm hopeful that we can we can potentially um, change some of how you know the. I, I believe we can change some of these issues with with my court case because nearly everybody who gets gets put through a similar process. That I've been put through, because other political people have been put through the same process, usually give up. Um, I've had a lot of support, financial support from people, so I can keep fighting this, and I'm and I'm winning now. Uh, you know, we we just recently had the um, we had we had a we've got a new judge for the trial that's booked on the 28th of August. It was meant to be the uh, in November, that got moved to. To June, then it got moved again to another date in June. Then, then they just changed it to the 28th of um of August. And and to give you a bit of an understanding of how they operate in the courts, I was in court after our final directions hearing. That's the final hearing before trial. That's when you lock everything in. We're ready to go. Book flights. Book for witnesses for you know accommodation. All of these things. So I've done that, and I've you know I've spent about $12,000 doing this because I was told that we're good to go and we're locked in. Uh, then a few days later, we get an email from the court saying uh, we don't have, um, you don't have a, a judge or a prosecutor. Now we did a few days prior and then we didn't have a judge and a prosecutor. So, so we email email. what do you think it. happened? I don't think they want to have a, want to touch it because the evidence is, is so clear. We've got, Statements from police that say that we ran at the police and started um, fighting with them when their body camera footage shows them run across the road and start bashing my mate, and we run into help. Oh my! Oh my gosh! And and forty three police witnesses that lied. It's not like one or two. It's forty three. Wow, police. it's incredible. And these are all those autonomous police. Uh, and then, which
0: is going to discredit and should discredit the, this WEF autonomous policing.
1: Yeah, well, this—I I don't know how far this is going to go, but it's—I know it's going to, you know, <clears throat> going to. God's put me in this path, and He's endowed me with everything that we need, and it's—and—and and it's a, for me, it's a blessing. I'm enjoying this journey, even though it's hard. You know, it's the refiner's fire, but it—it it actually, when you know that you're doing something good, uh, that's enough to sustain, you know, at least sustain myself through this, through these these ordeals. But anyway, they. Um you know and it's interesting because i um i was charged and convicted for obstructing the um the police and the authorized officer in those first interactions where that that became viral videos at my gym and i then took it i took that to the supreme court and i was self represented on these these cases i went then to the supreme court and did a review of the decision and i quashed and i was able to have the decision quashed by the um by the uh by the Supreme court judge. So I was able to have a win there, which has just set a precedent now, which could potentially um, cause all of those COVID fines to all be, you know, thrown out and people refunded in the state of Victoria. So I, I I know my, my life has been a, um, an example of if you're diligent in these matters and you don't give up, you can actually win and have a big win. But I have the, the the big trial now is, is the one that we have with a jury um for these these you know allegedly assaulting all of these police which didn't happen. I've got all the evidence. It's it's very clear that they've um that they've just ran with a bluff thinking this guy's just a he's just a dumb MMA fighter. He's not gonna he, he's just gonna give up. He's gonna run out of resources. He's gonna get scared he doesn't know the law and we'll um you know we'll get him to plead guilty to something well it hasn't happened yet and now we've got the judges and the prosecutors running scared this is the third prosecutor now that we have so so i we received this email saying that we have no judge and no prosecutor so we emailed them back saying um if if um can you just confirm whether or not we have a, a trial um on on the 1st of june and and we and, and we said that we have until the monday to because is on a thursday we have until monday to to get a refund for the accommodation which is about $10,000 and they yeah they um they didn't respond to us we sent them a follow up email the follow up email nothing they the court would not respond and the court will always respond quickly they didn't respond so then we get an email the day after so we can't get a refund anymore and we get told no that it's we have a pro, we have a new judge new prosecutor and we um we, but we're going to move the date to the day after so from the 1st of june to the 2nd well we thought that's not a big deal not a big change anyway then a, a week later we have a a hearing with the new judge and the new prosecutor and the new judge says um i'm not happy doing the the trial on the first of uh, sorry on the 2nd of june i'm changing the date to the 28th of august she didn't ask if if because i've got lawyer i've got Legal counsel on this on this um, on this case. She didn't ask if if we were were available. My lawyers might be doing another trial. They didn't ask. Didn't ask if our witnesses were available. Just said like a tyrant, we're doing it on this date. And that's when I knew, oh you guys, you guys can't win. You don't know what to do with this. And I was very confident. And and, you know, and and you you listen. You got to listen to that still small voice. And it was very clear. They 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 know they've lost and they're trying to find a way. They're in damage control because they've got someone here who won't give up, and and I'm not going to give up because I know if I stand if I stand up to these people with the spirit of of truth, equity and justice, and I have courage, their lies can't win. You know I think of the Bible verse: "He who endures to the end shall be saved." Well, I'm happy to endure to the end, uh, and I don't think they are. Uh, they're going to go go that far so from, from so i have this trial anyway booked for the 28th of, of um, august i don't think it's going to even go ahead but maybe it will but from this and i don't want to give away too much of our strategy just because police might be listening in um but
0: i don't think you should ever give away your legal strategy because yeah. the whole element of surprise is what and thinking outside the box and doing an end run around the planned opposition is what won the first American revolution for the colonists against the mighty British army. Yeah. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the more pressure that publicity in the court of public opinion can bring to bear, the more likely it is that in fact, I don't know what the law is in Australia, but if they don't, if they don't proceed to trial and clear your name, then perhaps there's civil or criminal cases that you could bring against them.
1: Yeah, exactly. The same is in the U S um, except I think we have, we have, it's actually easier to privately prosecute police, do private prosecutions here Um but yeah, that, that's that's where it will be going with it. If we put a few of these police officers in jail, that will send a huge message to the rest of them because there's no statute of limitations on criminal offenses. So these autonomous police who have who see their mates put in jail, they're gonna think, you know what, what if one of those one of those um one of my victims, you know, decides to uh to charge me in the future? There's no statute of limitations. It could be 10 years, 20 years down the track
0: yeah I think that is a very good point Nick and actually i I think um the more that you can put the pressure on and look at citizen action and perhaps other people to come forward and press charges that that might also be something to keep in mind and and we'll we'll keep the pressure on through publicity that we can do, and I'd like to have you come back and speak to our Faith report.
1: That'd be great. I'd love to do that.
0: Because you've already brought up several biblical references that that is huge in the work that we're doing at Truth for Health Foundation. We have a a regular weekly seminar, Faith Over Fear. And we are everything we're doing is grounded in scriptural principles. So uh, we really would like to have you be part of that, and let 's work together to find ways to expose this evil tyranny this assault on people's lives, their livelihood, their spirit. It is a demonic agenda
1: It, it surely is, and uh I just want to say how grateful I am for for people like yourself and the work that you do um, we you know we if we work together, we can be very, very powerful, very bright. And every day is a gift. So let's continue to, to do what God's given us and, um, and let our light shine.
0: I like that very much. We, you have a home with Truthful Health Foundation and our medicine and ministry, Faith Over Fear. And we will help show God's truth amidst the lies and deception that is destroying lives and our freedom. Those are his gifts. They are not the government's to control. So I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for your courage. God bless you. And stay in touch with me and our team. Nick, you are one of us. And so... You are welcome anytime. Thank you all for listening today. This is Dr. Lee for America, closing another whistleblower report where we expose the lies and deceptions and bring you hope, help, solutions, and truth. Tune in every day, Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern on America Out Loud Talk Radio and on demand at whistleblowerreports.org. We'll be back tomorrow.